Hey there, welcome to America on Tap, a weekly podcast discussing the issues affecting my generation, your generation, and our neighbor's generation, all while enjoying a cold beer. What part of your identity comes from your religious faith? This is a question I have long pondered and the focus of this episode of America on Tap. Religion can play a vital role in someone's life. It can give them hope, pause, it can give them the energy they need to keep going. However, it can also be a non-factor. It can be something you were exposed to growing up, but now it vaguely matches a moral code you have adopted. Religion can be a lot of things. What is undeniable, though, is that it allows for a fascinating discussion interweaving intersectionality and perspective. And that is exactly what I'm doing with guests Aline, Hadil, and Sherelle on this episode of America on Tap. So without further ado, let's get into it. So here we are for what could possibly be one of my favorite episodes um, that I've recorded so far. As I said, I'm with my friends Aline, Hadil, and Sherelle. Uh, so I'll let my great guests introduce themselves, tell, tell us a little bit about themselves, where they live, and what they're drinking tonight, and then I'll... Uh, we'll go into the episode. Cheryl, you want to get us started here? Sure. Thanks for having me on this podcast, Juan. I appreciate of that. Of course. My pleasure. Yes. So, uh, well, as Juan said, my name is Sherub Wood. I currently live in College Station, Texas. And currently, right. I am drinking awesome. my... Yeah. I'm currently drinking my favorite Corona with lime. Oh, I do remember Yay, that. Yay, Mexican. <laughs> yes. You used to love Coronas with limes. How did I forget that? That was like your drink of choice all the time. You know it. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm glad you're still drinking that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Aline, you want to follow up? Yeah. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Aline. I am originally from Mexico City, but I am currently doing my Master's of Public Administration here at Columbia University in New York. Um, and a second Mexican beer, I'm drinking a Modelo beer just very because nice. I miss home. Very So smooth. I'm Aww. very excited to be here with you guys. Yeah. It's a little sip of home every time you have it. Well, of course, it is. That's and, true. And also, worth noting that Lini is a friend of the pod, which is a title I give people that have already been on the podcast before. So Ooh. she's a... I think you've been here... Is it one twice? Once, one once. time, right? One, once, once before, yeah. yes. Yeah, This exactly. won't be the so, last one, though. No, it won't. We, I feel like almost every other episode, I can bring you Okay, up. cool. <laughs> and the last, but not least, the talented Hadil. Um, hi, everyone, and thank you, Juan, for having me, and um, thank you for initiating um, these kind of conversations. Very excited. Yeah. Um, to be part of it. Uh, but yeah, as Juan said, my name is Hadil. Um, I'm living in Washington, D.C., working here. Recently graduated from Georgetown um, with my master's. I know this defeats the purpose of your question, Juan, but yeah. uh, I am drinking um, sparkling water, which says two things. One, that I'm living in D.C. because that's kind of the hip thing to do here, I guess. And, uh, and the second thing is that uh, I do not drink. And I think okay. this kind of ties in into, I guess, yeah, religious and course. identity and mm-hmm. so on. So uh, we can delve deeper into this uh, later. You know, I think American Tab needs to do a better job of, of you know, expanding the kind of drinks people can bring. Right. We'll, <laughs> we'll keep, that, uh, keep that in mind for the future. Well, thank you all for being here. Tonight I'm drinking and like... We'll see this kind of a stretch, but I found this local beer called Rome City. It's an IPA, and I'm like kind of Catholic, so I thought Rome City, I don't know, the Vatican. I feel like there's something there. I'm not quite sure what, but, you know, I just thought maybe related to my uh, religion. So before we kind of get into the topic of religion in itself, um, I want to ask you guys about identity, because this season of America on Tap, 
I'm focusing a lot of the identity and the um, kind of intersectionality of that. So like, how does your ethnicity combine with your religion and whatnot? And so to start things off, let me ask you, what does identity mean to you? And how do you start with you here? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, that's a good question, Juan. Uh, you know, for me, in terms of identity, I think um, I've come to terms with the fact that I think it's very contingent on different factors, um, mm-hmm. whether it would be socioeconomic or geopolitical factors that impact what identity means. Um, that master's like, degree from Georgetown is really coming handy <laughs> for this conversation. <laughs> uh, I guess a big part of it for me is about grouping and how you become part of a group. So whether it's like group is, uh, groupism or groupness, and that for me is something that is contextually fluctuating depending mm-hmm. on different situations. Yeah. And so because of that, it constantly gets um, constructed and deconstructed with time. Of course. Um, and especially with key events, for example, we see that I'm sure for many of us have shaped our, our identities. Yeah. So I guess kind of to sum it up, I guess identity would, for me would be a powerful symbolic construct in a way that delineates or shapes my position in this world. Wow, that's one of the best definitions I've heard. <laughs> and, and something that I really like about the Hadil is that it's fluid, yeah. as you say. You know, it's ever-changing, right. absorbing things around you to, you know, transform itself into something that, you know, you keep growing and your identity goes with you. Absolutely. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. Sherelle, how about you? How, how do you define identity and what does it mean to you? Sure, and I love what Hadil had just said. I kind of agree with a lot, of, a lot with the different factors that make up our identity. Um, so I kind of have like a little textbook definition based off yeah, of the trainings I've been yeah. through. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically their personal traits that make up who a person is, who I am. Mm-hmm. So for me, okay. that can include my African-American background, my education, mm-hmm. uh, my beliefs, my values, my religious views, as well as what I do for a living and the fact that I'm a sorority woman. So yeah, once I became course. a member of an organization, um, Delta Sigma Theta, I was never I, I was. Uh, no longer known as just Sherelle. They now knew me as Sherelle the Delta. So it's just different wow. personal traits yeah. that um, are attached to me, um, whether mm-hmm. that be by my own uh, choice or by choices that have been influenced on me. So, Wow, that's amazing. That, mm-hmm. that is very true. And I will say, knowing, knowing Sherelle personally, uh, being like the Deltas are some of the coolest people I've ever met in my entire life, starting with Sherelle, but I met some of her <laughs> friends and like crashing and out with, at least when she lived in Orlando and they were like the coolest people ever. Thank um, but you. <laughs> I like that definition, Sherelle, because I think you've, you know, you obviously grow up with certain aspects, but a big shift for you happened while you were in college, which was your sorority experience. Absolutely. And that's, and that's who you became now. Yes. Um, and so you guys know, Sherelle brings in the, the, the definition like that because she works in higher education, which is a mm-hmm. great uh, career to go down to. And we get a lot of activities and trainings when we work in this kind of stuff. Last, Aline, how do you define Ooh. identity? Well, it's it's challenging to go after you know yes. two very talented <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and very well uh, well constructed responses. But um, I like what um, I like the idea of fluid. Um, I think I, I think that uh, I've never been um, like so in touch with what is identity until I actually applied to graduate school because mm-hmm. you know it was like a question of well, who am I and what sets me apart from the rest and why. You know these schools deserve to have me as their students, and I think that um, I think well, you know, basically identity asks a very simple and yet complex que- complex question of who am I? You know, who I am? Yeah. Like, what makes you? What makes you me? Are. Me? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think it's like uh, I think it's ourselves who give us uh, those labels, I guess. So, like in my in my case, I am, you know, I am Mexican, mm-hmm. I am a feminist, I am, yes, I am Jewish, although, of course, we'll talk about that. Yeah. But, um, 
you know, but it's important in this sense. Um, but yeah. it's not like my main thing. I'm a feminist, you know, I guess before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I like the idea of fluidity because, for instance, before I came to Colombia, I was Aline. And here in Colombia, everybody knows me as Ali. So now I'm this new oh, Ali yeah. who's like developing this new persona. Personality based on that. Yeah, yeah sure. I mean, I'm developing new skills that I don't have before. So this Ali is like not the same one. Who you are. You know? yeah. And just to wrap up, I mean, I like a quote that says something like, you know, if you know me in a year, you don't even, you know, you don't know me anymore because I, in a year, you know, I'm not the same person that I right. was a year ago, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, from what you say, that sounds like absolutely true. I want to meet this Ali. Yeah, sounds like it. Um, so, spoiler, every one of my guests tonight have a different religious background. Um, that's kind of why I invited them on the show, because I'm very curious about how religion shaped their identity Um and, and more interesting than that, I think it's like the fact that they each have a different religion. So, of course, even if you all have the same religion, religion can still shape you differently. But I'm fascinated by the idea of how each of your religions shape who you are today. So, Cheryl, you want to start us off here? How do you think your religiosity shaped who you are today? Sure. So, hmm. It's a very nice question, Juan. Uh, so, <laughs> basically, you. this honestly has shaped how I do life. You know, um, I was introduced to uh, my Christian faith. Um, at a very young age, I grew up in a, a Christian home where both of my parents actively practiced it. We had print-rich material around the house, books and, and posters. Bibles and, and whatnot. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, and then our friends, my parents' friends who were around us all the time, you know, spoke the Christian faith. And so okay. it's definitely shaped the way I do life. It shaped how or the people I hang out with, my behaviors I partake in, how I spend my free time how I treat others, how I respond to how mm-hmm. others treat me. It shaped my attitude because uh, because of my faith, whenever things don't go as planned, you know, I don't worry as much. I know that I serve and honor a God who is faithful yeah. to work it all out for me. So it's definitely shaped my perspective on life. Um, I, like I say, I, I don't stress, I don't worry about things because I know who holds There's my life. There's a guiding life. factor. There's Absolutely. a divine guiding factor holding your hand through, way, through life. Absolutely. So everything I do basically ties back to the Bible somehow or to how God mm-hmm has designed me and knew me before I was in my mother's womb. So That's, that's very interesting to me. So you, you believe uh, in certain ways that there, there was a predestined like, path for you to follow and then you're just kind of walking down that path? Not necessarily. I just believe that God has a will for each of us and that he put us okay. on this earth uh, to do his work. For a and reason. Absolutely. And so as I yeah. continue to seek a relationship with Christ, um, mm-hmm. I am led by the Holy Spirit to uh, guide me in my decisions that I make wow, for life. tremendous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that, that is very interesting, Cheryl. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how about you here? How do you think your faith shaped who you are today? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, on one part, yes, the, the morals and the values aspect is um, somewhat important. But I think for myself, what I would like to emphasize is more shaping a lot of uh, my research and academic interests. Mm, okay. And, nice. I, and I say this because I think... Uh, I moved to back to the U.S. at a time where there was a lot of conversations about Islam, mm-hmm. about um, you know about you know all of these um, attacks that were going on about immigration, about you know right. the influx of Muslims, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And I think my decision to study what I studied in undergrad, in graduate school, a lot of my research focus was uh, was I think going back to my religiosity, if that makes yeah. sense, Juan, yeah, and wanting to make an impact in that sense and feeling um, this, 
I guess talking about identity, this was an event where I felt there was a threat and feeling that I want to give back to my community and show through others. That way, through that kind the, of way. Exactly, yeah. through that way, the beauty of Islam, the diversity wow. of Muslims yeah. on many levels and resisting in a way um, a lot of the stereotypes and misconceptions wow. that I yeah. found in many of the conversations, whether it be in the Midwest and even honestly uh, on the East Coast. Right, and as it, correct me if I'm wrong, how you'll hear, but so if I'm understanding you right, yeah, you, I, and I think academics like are a big part of who you are, right? I think that it's it's 100%. you're a very um, intellectually driven person, and so your religiosity yeah. manifests itself through the fact that your research subjects or like your focus of your research was your faith. Absolutely, wow, absolutely. Awesome. I did a lot yeah. of my research on Islamophobia mm -hmm. in the U.S. on the you know correlation between Islam and politics, perceptions of Muslims yeah. in the U.S., et cetera, et cetera, exactly as you mentioned. Tremendous. Yeah. Really, really interesting stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and last, Aline, how, do you, how, does, how did your religiosity shape your, like, your persona today, who you are today? Again, left. <laughs> you're oh, me, you're we'll, punishing we'll me. Switch no, that. We'll switch that. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm totally, totally kidding. No, well, so, I mean, full disclosure, I am Jewish, but I'm very liberal, pretty agnostic, and, you know, non-religious at all. Um, I once read this definition of Judaism by a rabbi, which was curious, which said, like, Judaism is like a menu. You know, you take what you want, and what you don't mm. like, you don't mm. eat it. So that's exactly what I've done. I think okay. that... My Jewish identity in itself is like a construct of what I myself has have you know decided to keep. Um, but okay. it's definitely interesting because it, it has. I mean, I have a very strong Jewish identity, and yet I'm not like I'm okay. I'm not religious, right? But and I you're, think not, a, a very, you're not a practicing uh, right, yeah, yeah. And I think that's very that's uh, important to a distinction important to make yeah. because there are also many misconceptions. You know, I've heard. People in Mexico tell me like, oh, wait, you're Jewish, but why aren't you wearing a wig? Oh, wait, why yeah. are you not talking a certain way? Or, you know, my favorite one is like, why? Oh, my God, but you're so normal. So it's like, hmm, right. okay, interesting, you know. Um, and I'm Jewish because my family, you know, escaped the Holocaust. I have uh, family members who died in Auschwitz. So oh. that part of history has definitely shaped who I am. It made me go to Poland when I was 18 to uh, visit concentration camps. I went to Israel, etc. But it did not change my behavior. So like mm -hmm. I went to a liberal school. I, I do not keep Shabbat. Uh, I'm not kosher. So, okay. you know, and I but I do I do consider myself like this um ambassador of trying to change people's uh like, ideas uh, conception of what it yeah. means exactly yeah okay very cool i think that in your case it seems like someone might think oh it didn't cause such an impact but i think in some ways being jewish made you like so open and you know so embracing of other religious beliefs, yeah no right? for sure I yeah. mean, i'm very happy to to have this conversation with uh you know people who have very very different faiths than i do mm -hmm. Right. So our next question, and I think this is something that, you know, I think I don't think nowadays it's fair to assess someone or talk to someone and looking at, at their experience in an individual point of view, right? Or like a superficial point of view. I think intersectionality is very important. And like Cheryl, you mentioned a little bit in your intro. You're, you, know, you said, I'm a black woman, I'm a sorority woman, um, I'm an educated woman, I, you know, and in and, and this way, a Christian woman. So and Alina, I'll start with you this time. How do you balance the intersectionality of your different identities, whether it's religion, gender, you know, cultural background, geographical uh, location, etc.? Mm. 
Okay, it's. Uh, I think I liked it when I went last. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a good question. Um, if I had to put it in a balance, uh, I think, I think to me, uh, what has a bit more weight perhaps is like the intellectual part of who I am. Okay. You know, okay. I I grew up in a very like educate education driven household. Yeah. Um, So I was always taught to, you know, read as many books as I as I could to immerse myself in culture, music. So, um, but I think that that is not. Oh no, okay. I have a, actually a really good example. So okay. I'm a huge like <laughs> reggaeton fan, right? I yeah. love reggaeton. <laughs> so one day, uh, my mentor at work, she was like, "I cannot believe you, you know, you Colombia accepted like, you know, person who reads, who's who's intelligent, blah blah." I cannot believe you like reggaeton. I'm like, well, yeah. one thing is not against the other, you know. Yeah. Like identity is exactly that. You can like reggaeton at the same time. You can go to the opera. You can go right. to King Lear on Broadway. You know. Yeah. So I think. Be a feminist. Yeah. Yeah, like be a feminist. Yeah. Um, I think that, I think that sometimes identity is very like, imposed, you know, on yeah. ourselves by society, and we have to give ourselves the permission to basically decide who we are and just, you know, be, it's really up to you. You know, be that way. No one, no one really can should or can't impose identity on other people. They should not. At least, yeah, for sure. I mean, who yeah. says that? Who says that I can't listen to reggaeton? You know, yeah, I, mean, no I one, do. I no love it. <laughs> Every, exactly. Everyone should listen to. I think reggaeton. you introduced me to reggaeton. By the reggaeton. Probably, probably. probably. <laughs> as, as a Venezuelan, we are proud of exporting reggaeton everywhere we go. <laughs> um, Very true. Javier, what about you? How do you balance your intersectionality? Yeah, you know, um, to be honest, one, I think in some part I've had some. Um, difficulties. Well, in this, well, first, in terms of, if I would say the different identities, I would say Arab, uh -huh. Muslim, American, feminist. That order. would be the, I guess, four. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure in terms okay. of order, but right. in terms of, no, you the know, four the four major ones, yeah. Parts. Yeah. Exactly. The four major okay. parts of identity. I would say the two that conflict the most uh, for me would be, you know, American, mm. Egyptian, And I feel like in terms of intersectionality that you're talking about, I think there is this constant perception and idea of what, for example, in the case of the U.S., what yeah, American means, sure. what American mm -hmm. looks like, what mm -hmm. American sounds, what an American mm -hmm. acts or behaves like. And so I think as an immigrant who's Egyptian-American, it's been very hard to bridge those both identities and having both aspects because I think I'm constantly feeling that Maybe sometimes for Egyptians, I'm not, you know, Egyptian right. enough because I'm kind right. of American. And for then, Americans, you know, for you Americans. Apart, even though I don't even know what that means. Yeah. Ex <laughs> exactly. I'm not yeah. American enough. Um, so I think this has been very interesting in terms of um, that conversation, in terms of how exactly, um, Aline, you were saying how identity is very socially constructed. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of assumptions mm -hmm. about Um, individuals and kind of another example on that just real yeah. quickly when people meet me and I say I'm Muslim they say but you're oh, different wow. you're not the same they assume yeah. that because they see me that I'm very in the way that I maybe interact with yeah. the other gender um, in the way that I am very social I yeah. go out a lot you know I, I remember like that. to yeah. go out and party <laughs> yeah, exactly and do all of these things that automatically assumes you know that of I course. couldn't be also that Islam couldn't be part of mm -hmm. my identity in some way Um, so I think being able to be grounded in who you are without letting too much impact other people from influence outside assumptions. Yeah, that must that yeah. must be challenging, right? Like, well, I mean, I think to a certain extent, yes. probably all live that, right? But I think mm -hmm. um, not to diminish your own experience, yeah. but I think that's something that 
was really challenging. It's like I'm not American enough and I'm not Egyptian enough for and yet and yet and yet I'm both. Exactly. Right? Like, <laughs> how does that work out? Right. Sherelle, mm-hmm. how do you balance your intersectionality? Sure. Um well, to be honest, you know, now that I've listened to uh Hadil and um responses, I actually came to the conclusion that I actually don't have balance between the two okay. or between yeah. several of the factors that make up my identity. I feel that they each all are in harmony. Um, okay. So like I say, a factor of mine is a sorority woman. My sorority is founded on Christian principles. And so mm-hmm. everything that we do is rooted back to, to why Christianity. Why we, yeah. Exactly. And why do we serve people? Jesus served people. Mm-hmm. Another thing is my values, honesty, for example. We know that as Christians, thou should not lie. And so mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, but this is just, no, how, no. I, this yeah. is just how I perceive it. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like there's, I just know what's appropriate at what time. Um, I don't really see them conflicting as an African-American, another part of my identity. You know, that's rich in our tradition and in our culture. You know, back when we were in the slave times, you know, yeah. we sang praises in, in worship right. songs to get us right. through the days Um, of the times where we had no hope and no faith Mm -hmm. that God would see us through. Mm -hmm. Um, So like I say, there's really no balance. It's just everything in my life is just arranged strategically. And just like I say, it's, it's all arranged. I believe that God has complete domain over everything in my life. So it just works out in harmony. I think that means that you do have a balance, right? Because I think that I I, I don't know maybe what balance uh, you interpret as balance, but I think for me, it, hearing you talk, I think of someone that, you know, as you said, has been very strategic about their identities and they all work, to use your word, harmony, right? Like there's not, um, you know, I think hearing you talk on their line, Christianity seems to be a big part, like the biggest factor, but everything Mm -hmm. seems to gravitate around that. Your sorority woman experience, um, your African-American experience, you know, everything seems to kind of hover around that um, epicenter, which is for you is Christianity. Yes, you summed that okay. up for me. Thank you, Juan. <laughs> Again, I do appreciate this because yeah. I never have had the opportunity to to put myself out and talk about faith because that's yeah. kind of difficult for yeah. some people. It's personal. It, it's very hard. It's mm-hmm. very hard, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think these conversations are very important, as you said, Cheryl, to also repeat you. But I think it's very important not only on a personal basis for introspection and, and improvement of your person, but I think just other people need to hear it so that they themselves can inspire themselves to, like, how do I balance my intersectionality? You know, so I hope these conversations are helpful for that. Okay, so let's take a quick short break and then we'll be back for more with Aline, Sherelle, and Hadil. Back for more after a great, great first segment with Aline, Sherelle, and Hadil. We've been talking about religious identity and what that means to them. So I'm curious, once we, we've kind of established each of your ident- like backgrounds and religious identities, I'm curious like what your kind of like day-to-day or week-to-week looks like when you're interacting with your religious identities. I know in some cases, like Aline, you're mentioning that maybe uh, the term non-practicing Jewish seems applicable to you. And in some cases, like Sherelle, you're more engaged on a day-to-day. Um, so let's, let's talk about that. And, and we'll start with you, Hadil. What does, what does your... Kind of day-to-day, week-to-week interactions with your religion look like? Yeah. And if, if I may just preface this one, and I don't yeah. mean this in any way of dismissing the question yeah. or anything no, like ahead. that, but um, I just feel, and this is something that I've been um, grasping a lot more lately, is the idea that we're defining religiosity by acts. Yeah. Acts of no. maybe attending, yeah, sure. you know, whether it's church or 
you know, mosque or whatever it is or giving in, you know, mm -hmm. and for me, just coming to terms with the fact that I'm more inclined to say that this is a personal choice of a no, one I, I relationship, agree. you know, with God or this, yeah. this bigger person, they right. um, see that they're doing these things um, for. But I, so I guess because of that, for me, I don't think there is, you know, um, things. So in I, terms I, meant of, that, I meant that question. Yeah. In, in a very broad sense, right? I think yeah. you mentioned some of the more like obvious ones, like the ones you can see, but yeah, I agree no, with you, right? Course. I think the religion, my experience with religion is mostly like, you know, in my head. So like, that's, that's, that, I meant that broadly in the way that, you know, if it's you praying once a week or it's you like right. thinking about whatever you want, for, that's what that means, right? Like no, in, a, in the broadest of senses, what does yeah. your interaction with religiosity look like? Yeah, absolutely. And getting to that. So because of this, for me, it's, uh, maybe not in the typical ways people would see in terms of like praying and going uh -huh. to the mosque, but for me, helping in terms of charity, mm, okay. in terms of giving back to the community. Um, for me, it's also part of like larger events, like fasting yeah. for Ramadan is something that I do. Um, Eid, for example, is a celebration kind of, um, not to compare, but kind of, let's say, similar to Christmas. Okay. So maybe larger, um, larger holidays events. Okay. And I think a part of it is being away for my family for quite some years now has led me in a way I think before it was much more part of my daily mm -hmm. life um, when you were with your family but I, okay. yeah I think when you're closer to oh, your family sure. who are you know practicing more and so on but I think at the same time it has made me closer in the sense that I've seek to find a community mm, okay. where we can have discussions about such okay. topic and it's become made to be like part of my larger identity and beliefs and not necessarily in terms of specific acts for sure daily no, basis, that, yeah, makes, that makes a lot of sense i think number one yeah. we probably inherit a lot of our religious traditions from our family so mm -hmm. it makes sense that you would have those yeah. more present when you're home um mm -hmm. and like you know you're building up your own identity in who you are in dc so like of course you're seeking out groups and, and other communities that can strengthen that part of your life mm -hmm. you know so mm -hmm. that Absolutely. makes perfect sense how you aline how about you what is what is your you know i guess maybe like interaction sounds like too action focused but like what does your i don't know how do you how do you like um, talk to your religion how do you um, experience your religion yeah well actually it's funny because i don't think i've ever felt as jewish as as well maybe not as jewish but i don't think i've ever had more contact with um my my jewish identity than being here at at Sipa. Uh, Sipa is my school. Okay. Um, first of all, because okay, it's New York. Of course, the Jewish community mm. here is um, is very strong. Yeah. Uh, but there is a group of Jewish students at my school. We're called Jupuls. Okay. So we're like fifty people, you know, and it's nice. Um, we have you know this WhatsApp group. We talk to each other. We support each other. Whatever. And uh, I like for the uh, tomorrow. No, this Friday we're gonna have a. Uh, we're gonna go to the Jewish Heritage Museum where oh, we fun. talk to Holocaust survivors. So yeah, I mean, great. that has been amazing. Um, there is like a, the Jewish student community here at Columbia. So I've gone to a couple of those events, and of course, like the big holidays are coming up. Um, so you know, so I've I've I, I don't think I've ever um, experienced that uh, life as much as here. And also because since I'm away, you know, mm -hmm. you kind of like look for a community mm -hmm. where you feel safe and yeah. where you feel included mm -hmm. and you feel supported so and religion so is like naturally good. Na religion can naturally be that community 
for someone. Yeah, I mean, you know what? So it's funny because you meet someone like another Jewish student, and it's like you have this common heritage and common. <laughs> yeah. thing. So it's like, oh, you know. But if I find I kind of have this conflict with my mom as well because she's always like, "You're always shouting that you're Jewish, and you shouldn't say that." And I'm like, "No, I don't shout it. I yeah. just don't deny it." You know? I mean, it's you are proudly, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's it's funny you mentioned that, Aline, because I, I agree with you that it's like you speak a different language because I look back, like, I don't know if you remember when we first met, that you were you also moved around quite a bit in your life. And so I think right. people that do that, like, we, you know, there's a term third culture kid. I've talked about this on the podcast before, <laughs> that you just mm -hmm. kind of, like, get it, you know? Like, you're just, like, mm -hmm. you get social cues differently. And so I 100% agree with that description, Aline. Mm -hmm. um, Cheryl, how about you? What How does your interactions with, with religion look like for you? Sure. Um, so in my Christian walk with um, God, I'm definitely a doer. Um, I, I definitely agree with what Hadila said about our acts don't really define a person's belief. Um, mm -hmm. But for me, I believe that it really depends where you are with your relationship with Christ. So okay. right now um, I'm on fire. I'm believing God to do something great for me in the future that I have faith that he can do. Um, mm -hmm. So for me, that what I do on a daily basis or on a weekly is I watch sermons weekly. I read wow, devotions. Yeah. I have a devotion, a daily devotional that I read in the morning just to set me on the right path for the day that motivates me, inspires me, and gives me the energy that I need get to get pumped. through the day. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I have an accountability partner. So um, a few of my girlfriends, like we'll talk about, you know, what has been challenging us this week. If it's mm. whether it's a temptation or a temptation or something, uh, we can pray with each other and we can help each other um, do what's right. I attend church weekly. Uh, I okay. pray throughout the day. I listen to Christian music to keep it in, uh, keep Christ in my mind. Um, so that I just do a lot of different things, yeah. you know, just to stay close to Christ. The Bible says in my faith that those who keep their minds stayed on him, he will keep you in perfect peace. And that's another reason that I attribute to me never really being stressed out because. And, and I agree with that. Mm -hmm, yeah. I just have God on my mind at all times. Of course, I'm not perfect and. You You're know, human no, at the end of the day. Exactly. Yeah. No Christian yeah. is, is perfect. And being Christian is, is, is hard to do. It really yeah. is because we were born naturally to sin. Right. Um, we were born into this world of sinners. And so just having that relationship with Christ, you want to please him by keeping mm -hmm. his commandments and obeying his commandments mm -hmm. or, obeying, obey, or obeying his laws. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think something I'll add here, a couple of things. I think number one is that Cheryl is one of the most positive and faithful, not only in the religious sense, but like she just believes in people. Mm -hmm. And it's a very rewarding kind of like everyone needs to get themselves a Sherelle friend because they're <laughs> great. Like she is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. um, Thanks, and Juan. then you know, I think to I think I, you know I've studied through my through my own graduate programs. So I studied the psychology of religion, and something Cheryl that you mentioned brought me back to that because I think you know you have an accountability group, mm -hmm. and something that I think religion brings, regardless of your level of devotion or your or whatever faith you choose to follow, is that um, you know it's kind of therapeutic sometimes. Oh, I feel yes. like you know. Like, having that group of friends, Cheryl, that you said you chat with and whatnot, like, how cool is that? You're just kind of sharing, like, hey, guys, I'm, like, at this moral impediment. Like, you know, can we talk about this? Like, how great is that kind of support? Mm-hmm. So I think that's really valuable. Something that religion brings to the table that I don't think he's talked about enough is that um, support factor. Okay, so something else I'm very curious about is how, and maybe, you know, this is a great transition that you just mentioned your friends, Cheryl, because I think mm -hmm. something I want to talk to talk about is how your religion shapes your interactions with others, how your identity has shaped the relationship you have with your friends, with your family, with significant others. Is this a big factor when determining like, hey, I just met someone. I would love to be friends with them, but maybe they're conflicting. Really, I don't know. Like, like, how does that influence your interest in meeting other people? And how do you, let's start with you here. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, that's a really good question, Juan. Um, actually, I think for me, it's, um, it is never a conflict or something that I think about. Okay. Uh, and I say this sincerely in the fact that for me, my circle of friends or people I surround myself with uh, are a reflection of who I am, of right? Course. And of are a reflection of my values. Yeah. So I believe, um, for example, if I have a group of friends that are similar, uh, whether it's, you know, in terms of gender, mm -hmm. ethnic, you know, religious, uh, racial background, mm -hmm. I, in my personal opinion, I think that is problematic. Mm. Um, you want to have some diversity? So I, is that what you're saying? Yeah. yeah, I think because I think that's a reflection on my values, who I want to surround myself with, what are the different perspectives I want to hear, who are the people I am getting advice from and vice versa. Um, and so in saying that, you know, I've reflected on my group of friends and seeing that uh, I have an extremely diverse group of friends yeah. in every sense, yeah, one, I agree. whether it's in terms of sexual orientation, yeah. gender, mm -hmm. uh, race, et cetera, et cetera. So for me, it's never factor, uh, been religion. Yeah. A factor at all i will say that um when Aline was saying being far away and for example going through ramadan together and then finding friends who also are fasting like myself and having that community where you know you can end the day of your fast by having people around you that share this with you um is very nice but like you said i'm also a third culture yeah. kid so i think i've gravitated gravitated towards um a diverse group yeah. in every sense of the world beyond religion I think that's definitely true for you and you know mm -hmm. i think beyond uh, of course it is nice to end ramadan with that but i think it's just like you know practical and and easier right like i think if you're all kind of in that together it's very different than having to go through that alone you know absolutely and yeah. if i can yeah. add as well just briefly yeah. and also even if it's people from the same religion in very different uh religious let's say beliefs mm -hmm. different levels of practicing as well you know not also one yeah. type of you know um Muslim or Christian or whatever it is or whatever that even means. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> um, Sherelle, how about you here? What, what, what role does religion play in your interactions and relationships? Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm a believer, you know, you attract who and what you are. And so I believe mm -hmm. that the way that I carry myself um, allows for people to naturally gravitate towards my, my aura, you know, my energy. Mm -hmm. um, I tend to hang with those um, who are from all spectrums, you know, just yeah. because a person does not have the same values and beliefs that I have, that does not discredit me from getting to know who they are because mm -hmm. I never know mm -hmm. what my assignment might be in their life. You know, mm -hmm. they may be just, um, they may want to learn who God is, but they've never had someone to, uh, to walk that walk or talk that talk with them. And so, yeah. You know, sometimes they'll say, you know, they'll notice something I do and they'll ask about that. And that gives me an opportunity to introduce them to Christ or introduce them to why I act the way that I act. Um, with partners, you asked about, you know, our significant others, uh, yeah. partners. I won't date. This is I'm going to be so blunt. I won't date yeah. or someone who does not have faith in Christ. Uh, okay. Reason four yeah. is we must be equally yoked, you know, um, okay. I think it's important that we have an understanding of the same beliefs um, yeah. because like people fight over finances, they right. fight over religious or religions mm -hmm. and they fight over politics. Mm -hmm. But I believe that my spouse must be someone who um, understands at the end of the day that our relationship is centered in Christ. Um, and that should be able to dictate the way that we are together as a team. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, I, I, I won't date people who don't have faith. It well, just messes I mean, me up. No, and I, and I get that because let me ask you this, Cheryl, a follow-up question to that. 
the I assume from listening to you talk, a lot of your moral code comes from religion, right? Thank you. Yes, that kind of helps me with the conversation. Absolutely. Yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah, you don't want to clash. You know, your moral codes kind of clash. So you're gonna be, you know, with someone for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. So like, I think that you know, I, I can understand that for sure. Oh yeah, Aline. Anything to add here? How does your religiosity impact your relationship, if at all? Well, it's funny because I'm going to give the exactly like the complete uh, opposite answer. Um, I feel like, yeah, it doesn't actually play any role. Okay. Um, for instance, I mean, my friends, I have friends for a long time who like years later find out like, oh, wait, you're Jewish. You know? <laughs> so it's more like how they change the perception of me, you know, and then they, they start asking all these like questions like, oh, wait, you know. Um, oh, okay, no wonder this and this and this, but how come, you know? Um, so I, I, I honestly, like, I love hanging out with so many, you know, different types of people. Um, a same thing, you know, sexual orientation, religion, you know, um, especially like here uh, in New York, it's such oh, a huge I'm melting sure. pot. I've yeah. had, I've extended my, my, um, my net of friends. I have, you know, really good Muslim friends yeah. that I didn't have in Mexico. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Ooh. it actually like doesn't play any any role at all. But and for instance, like my my like partners or boyfriends or whatever, um, I've I actually connected much better with people who are not religious than people who are like Jewish. Like yeah. I dated mm-hmm. this you know Muslim guy over a summer once, which was like really interesting to tell my mom like, oh mom, guess what? <laughs> you know this guy is Muslim. Like my mom was fine with it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, I had like you know. I've had like boyfriends who are not Jewish and it's really fine by me. And the one like Jewish boyfriend, I don't want to say like it was a bad relationship because he was Jewish, but <laughs> he was more religious and he mm. was, you know, there's two types of being like, it's either you're um, a Sephardic Jew or you're like European Jew. Yeah. And I come from European Jews and it's a really different culture yeah. than Arab Jews. So yeah. he was a Sephardic Jew and we had like, it was so different. And it was such, it was like a a big conflict. So, I mean, at the end of the day, if I end up marrying a Jewish guy, it would be like, it's nice. But it's like, because it's not like, it's like, it it saves some time for me (laughs) to like explain what it means. Like, I'd rather marry a guy who's nice, who treats me well, who's who's smart. Right. That comes first. It's it's very interesting to me Mm -hmm. to hear that, Aline, because I can't help compare that, like the duopoly there with Cheryl's answer. Because in both yeah. of them, it makes sense to me, you know? Like, I think I understand Cheryl's point of view where, like, you're going to speak the same language when it comes to morality. So, of course, you want your partner to be that way. But in your sense, it's like, well, we speak the same language so much. Or, or you know, we speak the same language, but in different accents, I would say. Because, as you said, mm. different, you know, within Judaism, there's different factions, right? And so it, it can cause conflict there. So it, it's very interesting. That duopoly there is fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it makes sense to me, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because so, we're going to be raising uh, kids together, yeah. you know, we have to raise yeah. kids with the same values. You know, we can't have one parent saying, oh, it's okay to, you know, get take the extra change the cashier gave you. And then another parent saying it's not okay. So, right. yeah. Well, that's, that's a good transition to my next question, Cheryl. Great that you mentioned that because I think <clears throat> I asked about morality because I think some people, and, you know, this may be because if religiosity is such an important factor, then morality probably stems from that. But if it's not, then maybe not. But I think I want to ask about hazard. Have you ever had any conflict between your religion and your morals? And like, you don't need to get, you know, specific to like, oh my God, this happened one time to me, like whatever. As much as you want to share is fine. But I am curious though, like, have you ever had a conflict where your religion told you one thing and your morals told you another? And um, Aline, you want to start us off here? 
I'm thinking. Actually, I think actually I'll I'll let someone else take. Any, any, I know that's a tough question. It is. Anyone, wanna, <laughs> anyone have a anyone have a something they want to share? Well, I think okay. Um, I don't think it's more like moral. Um, more like perhaps hmm, like politics, for instance. Uh-huh. You know, like a lot of people when they hear hear I'm Jewish, they're like, oh Netanyahu, blah blah, oh, and yeah. then like I. So for instance, like if I say something that perhaps, you know, defense Israel, or at least like a couple of times ago, they're like, yeah, of course, you know, you're, you're Jewish. So obviously you're going to defend all the unspeakable actions that Israel has said, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait, no, you know, like there's one thing, one objective um, viewpoint mm-hmm. to like defend international law of a country. But hey, <laughs> I don't like Netanyahu. I don't right. like his politics. I don't agree with a lot of the things he's done. Netanyahu is the prime minister know, of Israel, by the way, for our listeners. Right. So like... You know, I don't agree with a lot of the things he's done. So definitely, it's a kind of like a struggle. I know that's not answer your question, but no, it's no, but... always like a struggle. You know, that that definitely like, th- I guess there's like an emotional component to that, you know, especially like mm-hmm. the linkage to Israel, you know, yeah. that is in history. But mm-hmm. um, but it's also another part of that identity, you know, like I, I went to Israel for the first time when I was 16. I didn't really feel a connection. And then okay. I went back after going to Poland before. So then I understood. Why, but that's yeah. so, that that to me has been like the biggest I guess like conflict. Well, you know? it, it, like I get some of the things, yeah. But my professional standpoint has, um, I guess, like shaped me to think a, a different side of the story. Right. So putting those stories in conjunction is is can be challenging. It can be, and I think you're someone that has the, like, I, I, I mean, the education. I think is the right word. Like the academic background to be able to challenge maybe those like assumptions that oh you're jewish you must support israel or netanyahu so like you have that level of intellect to know like well but i don't necessarily agree with everything they've done so like, i think right, that true. that like intellectual uh, i hate using this word but like intellectual wokeness helps you um <laughs> uh-huh. kind of you know not fight that but be in conflict with that and, and you know follow what you want not necessarily what your religion tells you to follow mm-hmm. true yeah. exactly uh, Javier Sorel, anything you want to share here? So I guess I could, you know, jump in. Um, I don't know if this is um, will be a, a good example, um, Juan, yeah. but I'm um, thinking about um, LGBT rights yeah. and LGBT community. Mm-hmm. And I've been since, you know, from the very you know, beginning, especially when I moved to D.C. because I uh, honestly um, uh, became part of um, an Arab gay community okay. and got to meet a lot of um, just different people from different um, Middle Eastern backgrounds right. that are part of this community and connected a lot f- with them, which has been um, incredible. So for me, it was a given in terms of my stance, in terms of um, LGBT rights and so on. But I think a lot of people mentioned to me, what well, doesn't that come at the expense of your religious stance? Mm. And I honestly, with you, I never thought of this. Yeah. That, yeah, people, you know, say that in Islam, it says that, uh, you know, a marriage is between a woman and a man. Right. But I, I, I guess I'm not even, I didn't even think of it as conflicting because for me, I just have a very strong stance okay. in terms of, um, in terms of that. But I think it made me think whether that is conflicting, whether, you know, I think morals should trump religion or, you know, how to think about this. Or even if, you know, some things that were written in religion were written at a specific time. Yeah, and times when it changed. made sense, you know, yeah. But exactly, now, when it made sense and just the context has changed. And that doesn't mean that um, these are human beings like everyone else who deserve, you know, um, rights like we yeah. do. Yeah, you, you hit it right on the nail because I think mm-hmm. I, I'm going to compare this to 
you know, I think the Second Amendment and the Constitution of the United States, for yeah. example, is that you said it yourself perfectly, right? Maybe in the Quran or whatever, in the Torah, the, 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 the scripture of the time said certain right. things that made a lot of sense back then. But now you read them, you're like, how did someone write that? You know, like, and, mm-hmm. I, and, I, and you know, not to be disrespectful, I think there's um, ample room to interpret it in ways that may not be uh, oppressing to certain uh, demographics. But it's all right with mm-hmm. the Second Amendment. Like, do we, when they wrote that, muskets were the main form of weaponry. Mm. And so, like, can we really expect, you know, that to apply nowadays? Maybe not. So it's about interpretation, maybe. But I agree. I think in your case, it sounds like, um, and again, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it sounds like your morality and your moral code maybe doesn't stem necessarily from religion. Is that an accurate assessment? Yeah, I mean, I think maybe partly, but I think there's so much more okay. involved in it, okay. like you're saying, yeah. Juan, absolutely. Okay. Sure. There's so much more to it. Mm-hmm. So I have specific examples. Um, mm-hmm. And I believe that money, well, in the Bible, it says in the Christian Bible, it says money is the root of all evil. Um, mm-hmm. So when it comes to morals in my beliefs, um, I'm always being tested when it comes to money. Um, and I'm happy to say that I do pass the test. Um, so, for example, you know, sometimes I, I drove Uber. Mm-hmm. And so one time a customer got in a car and um, they were very intoxicated. And so they forgot that they paid me in cash. But oh. the Uber app actually charged them. Um, yeah, to their credit card. Right. And so yeah. Uber contacted me and asked me, hey, did this person pay you the certain way? Mm-hmm. Um, and so so the person paid me in cash. However, mm-hmm. the app charged them for the money. Right. So right, right. I could have said that I did not get the cash. Yeah. And then that was the know? end of it. Exactly. And so another part of, I hope that made sense. Another part of yeah. the money issue comes when it comes to me being ch- overcharged or undercharged things at different mm-hmm. stores. I could easily go and say, hey, listen, you all did not charge me for this item that I walked out with. Uh, I want to bring this to your attention. It always dealing with money, whether I get extra money back from a cashier or less. Yeah. Or less. Um, yeah. I just, I'm always the first to say something and say, Hey, listen, I don't want your drawer to be short. So it's always money with me. Um, as far as the ways that I'm being tested, um, money those are the kind of the, the source of a lot of problems. <laughs> that it, is it, true. it can be. So that's just when my <laughs> yeah. morals come into play. I'm yeah. very honest. You know, if something yeah. does not belong to me, I didn't work for it. I'm not going right. to take You're it. Gonna return so. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes perfect sense. Some say women are the root of all evil, but <laughs> whoever says that, whoever says that, I've not met the three of you because you guys are <laughs> the rulers. Of no, the world. just if I can like yeah, chime in, actually, that's a really good example. I would say that in the beginning, but to me, like I would have done the same thing. But I think my reason for to do that is not more religion, more of like I was raised mm-hmm. to be like a good person, mm-hmm. you know, like. Mm-hmm. to have a um, good sense of ethic, mm-hmm. um, to do what's right. So I think it's interesting because, you know, both actions may have resulted in the same thing, but Different and the reasoning yeah. behind it, yeah. So that is very cool. Interesting, definitely. I think that's when you reach a point where you can coexist as a society, where we all kind of do the right thing, regardless of our background. Exactly. And yeah, yeah exactly. Kind of, believe, kind of what karma is. In the Bible, yeah. it says yeah. you reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's basically yeah. what karma is as a Christian. Yeah, God and is I, watching I, you. You know, your integrity and, matters to God. Yeah, and, and I feel like a version of that is like palpable in every major like faith. You know, mm-hmm. some kind of like don't do what, don't do something bad because then that will return to you, kind of thing. You know, absolutely. Whether um, it be whether it be to you now or whether it be your in the future generation yeah. generation yeah. curses yeah. yeah. is also something yeah. to note. Also, yeah. Go ahead, Hadil. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, one, and also just reflecting on what. 
um, Amin was saying, it's also the difference between being religious and being faithful and mm. just being a good person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like that difference is not always being made. A lot yeah. of people focus in terms of, you know, I have to go and attend things and go to sermons, etc. Yeah. And, and full, like kind of, you know, tick these boxes, right. uh, but at the same time, not focus on the fact, are you going doing good deeds? Are right. you being a good person? Kind of like right. Aline was saying, and just being um, a kind person. Yeah. So I think these are very different things. They and are. sometimes people are not doing both or just focusing on one and the, or not the other. So I think what I've been trying to do and kind of what Aline is saying is focus on, on just doing good. And that doesn't mean necessarily that you need to be religious to be a kind person and want to give back no, to the, the community. And the less yeah, fortunate. I, I agree. I mm-hmm. just think that we need to be kind of okay with both. I think that's the thing, right? Because Absolutely. I, I see, Absolutely. I see in some people kindness stems from their religiosity. In some other Absolutely. cases, there's no need for that. But it's, in, you know, in some cases, there is. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. with that, let's take our last break and we'll be back for our last segment with Aline, Fadil, and Sherelle. Back for our last segment, we've been having a life-changing conversation, to be honest, with uh, Sherelle Hadil and Aline about religion, identity, and what, how those things interact with each other. And so, you know, I think people always say, like, oh, my God, Juan, don't talk about politics and talk about religion. Don't talk about That's what causes conflict. But this podcast is literally about those topics. And so I think that religion, for maybe obvious reasons carries with it like heavy implications and particularly like in today's like very political world how do we feel that each of your faith have been treated by the national conversation at least in the united states nowadays right so if you're like you know let's say as a non-practicing catholic that i am how would i assess my catholicism has been um treated by the national discourse in this country and so we'll we'll start there aline do you want to start us off here sure i mean i think um well, I can basically, well, uh, speaking from the Jewish religion, uh, I think uh, the last couple of years, there has been a huge, huge rise of mm, anti-Semitism, sure. as well as anti-Islam uh, rhetoric, yeah. which is, I mean, terrible, and I do think has to do a lot with uh, who is in power right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, not that he's causing it, but he's uh, at least like justifying right. um, this right. like anti the other rhetoric. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I cannot be here speaking uh, without you know mentioning Pittsburgh. Oh um, yeah, the synagogue, the synagogue, you know, the tree, yeah, yeah tree of life, yeah. you know, shooting. Um, and at Columbia, there was also an incident where uh, a professor was vandalized with swastikas oh, wow, on her office. Terrible. So, I mean, to me, it seemed like America was always this place where, like, you know, you could be whoever you wanted, and at the same time, it's not true. So, I do think that um, there's a huge, huge rise of anti-Semitism, so it's not, I guess, like, the most comfortable time um, to be in it. Even if I live in this bubble, you know, New York, where there's liberals have, like, plays, you know, you wouldn't think that would happen there, but it still happens. It still happens, and it's the only city in the world that I've seen where it's like Happy Hanukkah and Merry Christmas at the same time. <laughs> um, so it is it is like uh, frightful, to be honest, um, to to see all those things going around, especially Pittsburgh. I mean, that, no, that was terrible. really like broke my yeah. soul. That, I mean, that was literally an anti-Semitic terrorist attack. Like that was, yeah, yeah. yeah that was terrible. I was upset. Um, Javier, you want to follow up here? Yeah, because I think um, I have some similar views mm-hmm. and um, obviously, um, Islam in specific has been on the news extensively yes. um, in the mm. past few years, as as we know. And I think a lot, a lot of issues um, 
like there are a lot of issues that I think stem this. I think one I will say is definitely, and I know Juan, we've spoken about this extensively, mm-hmm. is the media. Oh yeah, that is ex- mm-hmm. extremely biased in terms mm-hmm. of the language that is that uh, that it uses in terms of when it, for example, chooses to use the word terrorist oh, or not, yeah. and the implications of that. Obviously, we've seen um, the rise of white supremacy and yep. more Islamophobic, anti-Semitic language. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also for me, I think a huge problem is misunderstanding and misconception oh, yes, of entirely. key words, mm-hmm. yeah. and especially how the media utilizes this, these words to um, create fear in American mm-hmm. society. So words like Sharia um, yeah. <laughs> or hijab, you know, or niqab, such words that become keywords that just make Americans so anxious and so fearful right. of this other, because I think in many it's ways... It's the unknown, um, you know, because they don't know exactly, what they're afraid of. Exactly, it is the unknown. Um, and Muslims, un- unfortunately, which are billions yeah. <laughs> uh, of Muslims um, in the world, have, quote-unquote, become the other. Right. And right in politics or whatever it is, you want to find this other, this threat. Mm-hmm. And I think someone like uh, our president today, if I may use a yeah, very concrete yeah, example... Yeah uses this platform, yeah. has this platform to tell people is okay mm-hmm. um, to speak this sort of language. So I think this rhetoric has existed, what, as well as racial, you know, oh, for um, sure. a politics as well has been there. Yeah. It's not, it has not been forgotten. But I hope now Americans kind of realize that this is very um, embedded and entrenched in for our sure societies. Um, so yeah, so I think because of that, you know, Islam has been utilized as unfairly external, targeted. Yeah. Unfairly targeted yeah. and has been utilized as an external threat to blame a lot of the internal problems and issues. Yeah, and, and I mean I you'll tell me what you think about this, but I, I did an episode earlier this season on um political representation and identity. Yeah. And I think a lot of those problems happen because newsrooms, when we talk about the media, don't have Muslims in the newsroom. Right, like Absolutely. same when you see yeah. like race, uh, like headlines that are just like race insensitive. I mean, well, do you have a black person in the newsroom? Probably not. And same with like represent- political representation. I mean, you know, as I look at Congresswoman Ilan Omar, who I don't necessarily agree yeah. with all of her politics, but I think how amazing is it that there's a Muslim woman in Congress and that she was sworn in on yes. a Quran? Right, like I think that, that's like exactly the kind of representation that changes the rhetoric so that we're not using the threat of like Sharia law in the United States. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. And even exactly like you said, you can disagree with a lot of, you know, her policies and so on, but also the attacks that she's been, oh, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. having is also, you know, ridiculous. But um, as you said, it's the representation. And when I've heard this from people, they tell me, well, every time I see a Muslim on the news is because they've been involved in some sort of attack or always showing them in a violent light, even if it's just, you know, the bombings are right. shown, it's always showing mm-hmm. this part of the world or this um, um, religion in a very negative uh, and pejorative um, way. Which will take decades to, sadly, will take decades to Absolutely. fix, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cheryl, you want to wrap us off with this question? How do you feel your face has been treated by the national rhetoric in the U.S.? Right. And, and, and it just breaks my heart of how there's so many different hate crimes and incidents happening yeah. around the Muslim and Jews. And in my opinion, mm-hmm. I have not seen very many things um, negative happening to mm-hmm. Christians um, because that is the minority faith. You know, we have a lot of different holidays that we get off in the education system just because yeah. of the Christian faith, but they forget about right. the other holidays as well. Right. Yeah. Um, but mine is kind of switching gears from the political realm is more of the yeah. entertainment industry. Yeah, um, it's where, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. celebrity couples are being glorified due to the fact that they're practicing abstinence or that they're waiting mm-hmm. before marriage to have sex. And they're using that as an influence for their young viewers mm-hmm. um, to shape how they see 
uh, their faith. We Christianity, got, yeah. Exactly. We have Christian athletes, you know, being an influence. Steph Curry, Russell Wilson, you know, they're, yep. they're giving credit towards God for their winnings and their earnings. Mm-hmm. And so that's basically how my faith is being portrayed in the news on a positive note as far as people who are um, who are uh, bringing glory to God. But uh, thankfully, I haven't been informed of anything negative happening. Yeah, no, Unless y'all yeah. heard of anything. I no, haven't. no, no. I think... I think no? I think that there's an interesting debate there because I think I think you're right, Cheryl, 100% right. But I think certain aspects of the narrative seem to point to like, for example, a war on Christmas. Mm-hmm. You know, like that that because you couldn't say Happy Christmas, like that doesn't that's not a real thing. Like mm-hmm. we, Cheryl is 100% right. We get Christmas off every year. You know, you no do. matter what religion you are. So it's Easter. Like, yeah, we we've definitely embraced Christian the Christian model into our like everyday lives, and to a certain extent, I think that makes sense with America was founded, you know, by overwhelmingly amount of Christians and to this day remains like overwhelmingly Christian. But I think that's still, that doesn't guarantee, you know, that doesn't symbol to translate into like, oh, now there's a kind of attacks. Like, I think Cheryl is right. Exactly right. Like mm-hmm. there hasn't been that kind of negative impact that we've seen with other religions. The only thing um, that, we do yeah. have with that is with the church. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of church shootings. You know, we had a, a, oh, a yeah. black church yeah. in mm-hmm. uh, one of the Carolinas, I believe, that yeah. was shot up, yeah. you know, it was very yeah. historical. But we're yeah. having more and more church shootings, but right. it's not as I won't. I can't compare what's happening with the Muslim and Jews versus the Christians. It all is. Right. It all is bad. Uh, right, but uh, and just... any kind of targeting based on religious reasons or any other reason, honestly, it's terrible. Exactly. Mm-hmm. No, true. Um, so transitioning to our last question, and not that we have to end on a positive note, right? I, I think this conversation carries a lot of weight with it, so I think it's fine if you know there's a lot of work to be done. But there my, I, I really want to focus on how do we? I don't want to call religion an obstacle. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think in a lot of ways it's very positive. But how do we move to a society where religious differences do not equate to enemies or conflict, right? How do we reach that point in society? Um, and I, I, I'm going to throw it out there. Anyone that wants to start first, go ahead. And, yes, I, and, okay. and I guess um, if we figure out this question, we could just go to the United Nations and announce it because we <laughs> solved world peace. <laughs> but at least yeah, sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, okay. So to be honest, I was being a bit selfish because I forgot to tell this story yeah. that I really wanted to tell. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> So I will, I will, it's going to be kind of weird, so I will, uh, like, put it in, but if there's a, there's a reason for that. So I was, I, like, during the break, I was thinking of the first time that I realized I was Jewish, I was walking my dogs. Uh-huh. Um, I was young, I was, like, six, five, six years old, and I was with my mom, and I was walking my dogs, you know, I think on a Sunday, and my dog, Muñeco, went into um, the garden of a church. Mm-hmm. And I told him, like, no, 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 Muñeco, this is not, you know, this is not the one for us. Oh, and my wow. mom was like, what? Like, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, this, you know, tiny little thing yeah. saying, like, no, like, that was the moment that I realized uh-huh. that I was, you know, not Catholic, that I was Jewish. Actually, it was Mormon church, now that I remember. Oh, wow, so, okay. As a Christian, you know, I was Jewish. So, mm-hmm. I think, like, that, I, I say it now, one, because I did not, you know, want to not say it. And two, because, you know, when you're a child and you don't know the difference uh, of religions and you're not taught that you know the other religion is a bad thing you're just you are who you are and you yeah. know what you are and that's it and so I think that if we could all sort of like uh, remain with those I don't want to say childish but with those like innocent yeah you yeah. know ideas and when hate crimes are not put into the whole conversation yeah. and um, you know I, I think it's a whole like peace building activity I can't um, I know that there were, there are some organizations, for example, in Israel-Palestine mm-hmm. that do this, like they gather kids from both sides and then they they teach them how to 
uh, interact with each other. kids from the yeah. other side. And, you know, they learn that there are no, yeah. absolutely no difference between each other. So I think that, I actually think it starts with education. I oh, think that people at the UN are already, like, biased. Well, not everybody, yeah. obviously, but, like, you know, basically, like, adults are sometimes already biased. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's it needs to to start with, like, really revolutionizing. Um, I agree. That's very like the younger generations, and yeah. at some point, you know, this this bad uh, rhetoric or this anti-rhetoric will hopefully end. I agree a hundred percent. It starts with mm. the children. Not to sound cheesy, but it sounds with the children. But yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. great point. Yeah, yeah, I can go ahead. Jump go ahead, because I think my answer was very similar. Um, I think just um, in general, for me, Juan, um, I don't think religion per se is the issue, but it's the fact that religion is used as That's a tool a of manipulation. That's a better way to say it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, for um, sure. That's it. And what I mean by a tool of manipulation is on mm -hmm. both sides, right? It's whether on the side where um, extremists use it in a way to leverage their mm -hmm. cause, you know, um, and make it seem like it's ideology, where in fact, and this is a whole other discussion on extremism, and it, it's, a, it's way more complicated yeah. than this. Um, oh, in terms is. of identity and finding a group, in-group, out-group, etc. And also from the other side, where we're picking, you know, this one um, example to to uh, to exemplify a yeah. whole group, right? That's um, so because of that, I think my uh, my my solution is very similar to Aline, and I think Juan, as you know, especially from the time we spend in yeah. the Midwest, um, seeing that sometimes a lot of the very first conversations or very first interactions of um, people and students, you know, are at 18 oh, years sure. old with a, a person of another faith uh, or through, uh, you know, mm -hmm. newsrooms. I think um, the American education system in general and other education system, just having more in conversations and interactions yeah. with other right. faiths in a much more mm -hmm. positive light. Um, I know this sounds maybe a bit too idealistic no, but and cliche, I think, I think but you're, I truly no, believe I think in your that. Your example of us being in the Midwest, I think, is perfect because yep. it's it's about positive diversity. That's I think that's a good mm -hmm. way to phrase it. Right. Where just being surrounded by people that I mean, to be honest, I'm a people that I probably assume that I was from Mexico just because I look Hispanic, right? And like, not that there's anything yeah. wrong with that. Like, Mexico right. is amazing, Aline's great, and amazing. so yeah. So like, not that there's anything <laughs> wrong with that, but there's just like they learn just by being around us. I know that. Oh, you know what? There's a whole other continent below Mexico, you know, and mm -hmm. so I think that right. just being exposed to that diversity and I, at a young age, I think, really will help educate the, the leaders of tomorrow that are not kind of biased towards different people. Mm -hmm. So I think that's great, Hadil. Great point there. Yeah, I think we're all yeah. on the same page yeah. with that is yeah. education is important, you know, um, and I admit, mm -hmm. you know, um, that I can do better with being intentional about engaging in dialogue with those who believe differently than I am. Yeah. Um, back yeah. to diversity. Diversity is yeah. embracing uh, uh, and appreciating the differences in other people. Religion, mm -hmm. in my opinion, is something that is man-made, to be honest. Uh, yeah. Men yes. have created this back to the manipulation <laughs> thing. You know, mm -hmm. everybody wants to believe that they are, they are supreme. They are superior above everything else, but we are all the human race. So right. I don't see why we all have to um, create just, division. Exactly. Create division. Yeah. We all bleed the same, you know? Right. So, but education well, is guys, key. Well, so. guys, if, if, you know, if we accomplish anything, we at least accomplish world peace tonight. Let's just, we, yeah, we can all I go mean, home very I, happy. <laughs> I, I want to just say, like, yeah, I, this is a good way, you know, to do it. I mean, mm -hmm. you have three, you know, three different religions, yeah. two that may seem contradictory, and, yeah. and, you know, and 
I know. I mean, like Halil and I have probably like found common ground. Oh, and a lot of things. You know, more common ground yeah. than other people that yeah. are. You know, but because we were raised, I guess um, we were raised right. I want to say but... right. <laughs> I agree. You think it could be the yeah. fact that we're all educated? You know, education has yeah. a lot to do with. It people, helps a lot. Exactly, people who mm-hmm. are uh, violent and don't agree with people. But the fact that we're all educated, I can take someone else's opinion and listen to them. You know, in mm-hmm. in in you know, respect that. But at the end of the day, you know, I believe what I believe and I'm not going to, mm-hmm. you know, not like someone just because they believe differently Correct. than I am, you know? Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, I want to thank you for a tremendous episode of America on Tap. Thanks for being here tonight. Yeah, thank you so much for having us, Juan. It was great to be part of such amazing and uh, very transformative conversation. Yes, thank you, Juan. Nice to meet you, ladies, of by the course. way. Of course. Yes, thank you're here. If you enjoyed this episode of America on Tap, make sure you leave me a review on your podcast app of choice. Tell your friends about it and tune in next time. Cheers to having a conversation that doesn't end in an angry Twitter rant.